Hey, it's me, Nicole. Before we get on with the show, I wanted to ask you for a huge favor. If you're a fan of Winhurst United, I could really use your support to continue to grow this platform. So if you don't mind and you have time, I would truly appreciate you helping me out. There are four ways that you can help. I would love if you would help in all four ways, but at least help in one if you can't help in all four. So the ways are by subscribing, by rating, by writing a review, and by sharing the podcast out. I truly appreciate you, and I want to thank you in advance for your continued support. Learn about the strides female entrepreneurs of color are making. Be inspired by their story and enlightened by their leadership, insight, and advice. Welcome to Win Hers United, your one-stop shop for business, mindset, personal development, and self-care conversations. I'm your host, Nicole Walker, and I am excited that you're listening today. I hope you find this information useful, and if you do, it would make my day to hear from you. Go over to winhersunited.com and leave me a message in the contact form. I would love for you to share your takeaways and your thoughts with me. Now let's get on with what you came here for. This is Season 6, Episode 16, entitled Rising Above Discrimination with Lena Mendoza. Okay, so Lena, welcome. We're excited to talk to you today, learn more about your journey and your insight. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here with you, Nicole. Definitely you're at the forefront when it comes to leadership and not only leading in your home, but also leading women to the next level of opportunity and responsibility that has called us for so long. So definitely love the opportunity to work with you. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, so let's get started by you telling us about your background and what you currently do professionally. Okay, so I'm a mom, so that I say that first because I believe being a hero in your home is absolutely the first and foremost, because you can be a hero in the community, but if your children don't like you, we might want to ask some questions, right? So yeah. I definitely encourage, because I think also parents who are at home don't feel that they have contribution to the world, and it's such an incredible contribution um, raising children to become great adults. And then also I have half of my career in social services and education, and then the other half in business. So I've done project management, also have worked in, as a, and worked in a prison, and an adjunct professor. I worked about over 14 years in finance and budgets, and so definitely have a strong grasp of um, some money management, finances, and so forth. And so also procurement, so working through the government, procuring things, so being a buyer in the millions. So my largest one project would be $56 million. So I'm not new to that, but definitely understanding contract management as well. And so I love to teach. So I think it's, I think it's very important to teach our next generation and also our current professionals who want to serve in leadership. So what I found as I was a professor, that my purpose was really about helping people through their process. So I came out here to Silicon Valley, and this is definitely, if people don't know, the Silicon Valley makes decisions as a great part of a global decision process. So ideas go to full implementation right here from the Silicon Valley. Global leaders meet here, right? Politicians meet here. And there's a largest concentration of wealth per capita 
here in the Silicon Valley. And so I studied that right before I arrived about six months ago. I'm from the Central Valley. So coming from a different global concept from there and then now coming for here, we're very high in tech. And so, and they said, will you be able to compete? And I definitely made sure that I leveraged my leadership, went to the right conferences and partner with the community leaders. And so I know back home, they're like, how did you immediately get connected with city council members and, you know, chief of police? And I said, you have to pivot, you know, pivot and you have to make sure you're being very purposeful. So a few weeks ago, I actually left government. So I was in senior management and I left to start my own organization called Intentional Leadership. So where it is a formalized training program for executive coaching, leadership development, and also entrepreneurial leadership. So I definitely have a strong track record of seeing people do very well, not only in academic arena, but also being business owners. And so I, so I often say that there is, there's knowledge and then there's you know, application and there's a gap there and it's our responsibility to help people connect those dots so that they can truly flourish and give them the tools for success. So I'm honored to serve in that way. I love to be a champion of people. So I often say that, you kind of see that across my social media. Like, what do you do? Like, well, I'm a champion for people. And they're like, what is that? And I'm like, you're going to be very successful. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, and so we go, you're always high energy. And I said, oh yeah. I go, sometimes you might see me twerking. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I really love to bring joy. I said, and they go, I think I'm going to add that to my resume. And so it's really about partnering with people so that, that we build a community together. And so I truly mean that. I'm very consistent, not only in my actions, but in how I articulate that. So. Oh, wow. Okay. So you have a wide range of what you've done into what you're currently doing. What led you to leave the government to start your own business? So if I can be very honest, so through my career, what I found was that I have gone through quite a bit of bullying where I believe that as a minority woman, that I had to work harder. I had to work Mm. twice as hard as my white counterparts. The struggle is real. And just you know, not feeling good enough, I guess, or being portrayed that. And so having gone through recent experience of that as well, and I know I was hired for my competency. And so it's really important that we don't take the labeling serious because it's not about you, right? I mean, that's not coming from 10 people. It's coming from one person. And mm-hmm. so uh, recognizing where I was at definitely was not black and brown. So is it diverse? Yes. Lots of uh, multicultural from Asia, but, you know, and re- can represent maybe 10 countries. However, I, it, it breaks my heart to say that most of the time in leadership, I can count one or two from our black and brown brothers and sisters. And so I'm at the door and I'm like, one, and then I'm like, come on, two, and then <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And people go, why do you count that? I'm like, because it's obvious. And, yeah. you know, and then when you speak up and articulate, you know, you're, you want to make sure your words matter. And so I made a hard pivot. I knew I wanted to come out to Silicon Valley and, you know, establish myself. And so people said, oh my gosh, you're crazy. It's so expensive there. And I figured if anybody could do it, it's going to be me. And so I really believe in um, positioning our to be leaders and strengthening our current leaders to really make sure that we, we do well so that we're not in survival mode, how I've done it for years, but really in a, in a position of thriving and being truly successful and, and know that you have the alliances to support you. So that's what I did. So yeah, so worked in government for a long time and then really having to deal with that's such a safe job. Oh my gosh, you get paid a lot of money. And so what is a lot of money, right? And so it's really about the gifts that you have and really providing added value and aligning yourself with an organization that shares those same value and honors you in that way. And so I really encourage women to know that 
especially women, because we take what is offered to us. And in reality, there's a 15 to $20,000 room for negotiation plus incentives. Mm -hmm. And we don't ask. And so really encouraging that and helping us articulate better, um, not only in the in the meetings, but also in nonprofit organizations and as well as in corporate boardrooms. And so it's a very, very strong passion of mine. So I've taken a lot of lickings. You know, a gentleman, even on a construction site, I was a project manager and he said, it's very hot out here. And so I was wearing a dress because I was going to be an interview panel. And I said, yes, it is. And he goes, aren't you hot? And I said, no, I'm not. If I was wearing a dress, he was wearing a long sleeve, a cowboy hat, cowboy boots, and long jeans. It was about 110 degrees in Fresno. And then he said, well, you can wear a sombrero if it's hot for you. And mm-hmm. so that was racist comment. Mm-hmm. And so I said, or I can wear a cowboy hat. And then he got upset. He turned red. And then I said, you know, I've learned at a young age that you don't fight in the streets, as you may have, depending on what neighborhood you come from, mm-hmm. but you always learn how to hit them in the pocket or take them to court. And so mm-hmm. we, you know, we did acquisition of $600,000 for that item. So I asked one of my colleagues, I'm like, is it normal for us to acquire something at $600,000 to have any damage to our product? And he said, no, not at all. That's not the expectation. And I said, hmm. So when we expect our items to be on point, I said, because we make sure you get paid. So we make sure our items are on point. You got it. And then I said, I'll excuse myself at this time. And then I walked away. Yeah. And so he got more infuriated because I had heard him say, this is what we get for hooking them up. And I was like, no, that's called customer service. And so, yeah. and so really speaking to what they believe is their power and really using your power, because if we don't sign on off on it, then he doesn't get the rest of his check. So really understanding how to use your authority and how to use your power. And then having friends. So some of your friends might not be black and brown, might not be minority. It might be your white counterpart. They will high five you and they're very genuine mm-hmm. knowing who those friends are. And so I, I encourage that. And so it's not really us against the system. It's really fighting with some of the maybe generational curses that's happened to us and also some of the belief systems that are passed down to us that we can claim and, and, and reject and, you know, kind of move forward and really claim our power. So okay, very different story, right? <laughs> right. I'm like, wow. All right. Well, tell us. What did you want to be when you grew up? So I had a a trace of valley fever in high school. I lived in Indiana. My dad was in the military. And I actually wanted to be a physician assistant. Okay. And so I became a young mom. And so I was like right before 19. I was in college when I had my son. And one of the uh, professors said, you know, know, have you looked into becoming a doctor and what that would entail? At a full ride to UC Davis, I decided to stay home and go to Fresno State. And so I decided that that wasn't what I wanted. And so... Some people said, he probably shouldn't have told you that. And I said, well, I mean, it depends. If I really wanted to having a child, I wanted to be more um, at home and I really wanted to be there for him. And so I just, I pursued my degree, my undergraduate in health science, which, which can be pre-med. Then my postgraduate, I studied that in counseling. And so even that, people said, what do you do with that? Like, what, you don't even have a job in counseling. I said, well, I've worked in a prison. I've been a social worker. I've been a professor. So a lot of people ask me about my degree or they assume I have an MBA I, or, you know, when in construction, they say, do you have a construction um, degree? And I said, oh, God, no. I said, I barely put up my own gutters, but I can memorize and study, and I guarantee you I'll, I will figure it out. And so it's really having that, that perseverance. So what I wanted to be was a physician assistant, but I, you know, I believe that God really gives us our purpose. And so what I've learned is that also that people help identify your purpose. It's about rubbing elbows, networking, and building relationships. I believe that everything has connected the dots you know, from me being a cartoon artist in college to working in a prison. So 
it's all come to play because when it comes to negotiations and business, I can tell when you're lying because I've learned that from inmates. So, okay. so they've all come to all those skill sets that I've learned definitely have helped me. Yeah, I love that. And that's why I even asked that question is to connect the dots. So I'm glad that you made that known that may be different. It may not be what you originally wanted to do, what you're doing now, but everything has a purpose and it's all for the greater good. Yes, absolutely. So tell us about your upbringing as a child. So I would say my upbringing um, was a little bit different. So I'm half Asian and half Mexican. So my mom is Asian. My dad is Hispanic. And so I, some people ask which parent is which. And so I was born in Bangkok, Thailand. I'm a Thai citizen, a U.S. citizen. And as a kid, I went through a lot of racism. And so um, they go, really? I said, oh, yeah, I've been called everything. Because <laughs> so, no one could figure out where I was at, what, what I was. And so I was, I was living eight, eight years into in Indiana. And so I was called different names and definitely was embraced on my peers and so forth. You know, served in leadership in school as well. And, you know, if there was a committee, I, so I don't know, I just always had questions, you know, even go to things of myself, my parents struggling in their marriage. And so I would go to church on myself. I would go to committees and they'd go, honey, where are your parents? And I'm like, you're supposed to bring your parents. And they're like, no, your parents are supposed to bring you. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this is like pre-Uber state. So I'm like, I don't know. I told them to drop me off. So here I am. And so I kind of felt weird about that as I grew up. I was like, do my parents not love me? Like, why did, why did my parents not come? And so I think they were just struggling with their own issues and so forth. And I was just an independent child. And so, you know, some people go, you're kind of bossy. And I'm like, no, I'm highly encouraging. And so really learning how to reframe that. And then I would say also my father really, you know, he explained to me about civil rights. So we don't, we talk, we'd say that nowadays in diversity inclusion. And so it wasn't until about fast few years, I was like, oh, we call that civil rights. And so people go, no, it's diversity, diversity inclusion. So the terms have changed, but I believe that the same concepts are still there. And so I definitely had seen that through an equitable lens for a very, very long time as a child. What was the difference that our white counterparts were receiving? And then what was the difference with our black and brown brothers and sisters? And so even when he went through some issues in the military, it, the those who are of a Hispanic background, African-American, um, definitely had very, very much stronger penalties. And my dad showed, showed me this list. And so it made a strong impression. Mm-hmm. So I've always been a strong proponent for social justice. And so... You know, and I think people get a little bit scared of that. And so, because they're like, oh, here comes Lena. Someone's going to get fired. And I'm like, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, hashtag, we don't play. So, so I'm very kind and definitely very compassionate, but I use my voice very carefully so that people can, you know, they can really be able to thrive. Because I think, again, there's a, a, a gap between knowledge and application or, you know, whatever they're going through. So I think I've always just been a fighter in that way. And so my son says that he goes, oh, if he goes, if you're mad and something's not right, don't tell my mom because someone will be fired by five o'clock. She does not play. And so, yeah, so he knows. And so he's taking that as well, too. And was hoping that my son didn't experience racism and he has and he's seen it in his workforce and he actually left his job because of that. So so I, I believe that seeing that as a kid also gave me an, that opportunity to teach others about how they can deal with racism and how they can be um, an advocate for their peers as well. And so I always hope that never that people don't experience that, but unfortunately it's, it's there. And so for the most part, I would say definitely my childhood was very different, not in a bad way. Like, you know, my dad would make sure that I learned everything from fishing to playing piano to learning the Apple computer. You know, I had to, back in the day before we had graphics and your, these little codes would make fish come across and someone said, oh, you learned coding when you were a kid. I'm like, I don't know. These little green fish came across. It took half an hour for that fish to get made. <laughs> and, so, and so my dad said, well, see people have computers. And so 
we are not going to struggle. So I was like, I don't know what that means. I didn't even know what that meant. I just know that he wanted us to make sure that we had opportunities. And so and he just would say to me sometimes, he'd go, you might want to pay attention to your white counterparts because look at what they do versus how we operate and why that is. And so hmm. some people say that probably wasn't a great thing for him, but I really feel that made a strong impression and and how I could help other people and really um, provide that lens of perception so that we can lead wildly together. So yeah, hmm. different childhoods. So I can fish, I can gut a fish and I can uh, play piano. <laughs> I don't play piano as much as I did. I have that can-do attitude. I definitely think it came from our family. So, mm-hmm. Okay, thanks for that. And I love that your childhood leads into how diverse your career has been, right? So diverse childhood, yes. diverse career and work life. And I do agree as far as the, you know, the bullying and as a kid in the workplace, you know, that you know, it's definitely real. It's the reason why She Leads Podcast was even created to show that as women, as people of color, we can come together, we can celebrate each other, you know, and then to also be a seat at the table for women of color because we don't get our fair share in corporate and in the different workplaces. So a lot of times we do have to create it for ourselves. Definitely understand that. Absolutely. Yes. So tell us about a pivotal point in your life and how it shaped who you are today. While I was in college, I found myself in a relationship. I was, I was, uh, so I had my son with my high school sweetheart, and then I found myself right in the middle of a domestic violence relationship. Mm. And so right as I was finishing my master's, I had to file a restraining order and then as well as, you know, finish my graduate school. So it became so bad, like mentally, that I actually had an entire semester erased. And so I think I had two D's or one D and two F's, you know, F is not for fantastic. So we're not <laughs> going to take that to the net. <laughs> so I always tell my college students that because I explain to them how they can erase in, you know, under certain circumstances. And they're like, how do you know that Miss Mendoza? I'm like, because I did it myself. And yeah. so, you know, we do, you know, sometimes go through traumatic experiences. And so I think, you know, just going through that anger was really tough. And then having to deal with it. And um, it was just a very long battle until my son was 18. And so not, it was not, domestic violence didn't stop at the time he left, you know, or the restraining order was enacted. It was something that went on until he was 18. And so mm. I had to learn that bitter didn't make me better because I almost talked about him like it happened like five minutes ago. And a friend of mine who we went to high school, we also would go to church together. And she says, Lena, you sound like you're, you just separated. It really, you know, I was like, really? And I was like, I was like, you know what he did to me? And she's like, girl, you really sound like you just separated. And I remember her saying, I'm going to pray for peace and comfort. And I'm like, who needs peace and comfort? Like, can you buy that on Amazon? So I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, I don't need a peace and comfort. I'm good. And so just, I mean, even that, the tone, right? Like bitter, right? So, and not knowing what peace was and not knowing that I, could have it, you know, and so I didn't have to struggle. And so I, I really owning that. And then just as women that we've gone through things and that I think it's, um, we can be unapolog- unapologetically angry. There are some terrible things that have happened to us and not okay when people are like, oh, don't let that get you mad. It's like, I'm sorry, <laughs> let, uh, that should get you mad. And so, but it's how we react to it and how we internalize it. And so also um, being okay with healing through that and really sharing that with other women to heal through it whatever that might be for you. Is it church? Is it praying? Is it meditating? Is it going to a counselor? But really 
taking care of that because that won't really go away. And so until you deal with it, it'll, it'll creep up somewhere like in a future relationship or friendship. So that for me definitely showed me how strong I was because I also bought my house and graduated with the master's and lost like 45 pounds. And so it's funny how the human spirit, we can get beat up, but we can have a no pelt peace prize. I'm like, oh no. So, right. And so I feel like minority women, we just get like, we just have a different like circumstance and stuff happens to us. And we're like, we doubled our, our investment portfolio, please. So we can go through trauma and drama and, but we can succeed and we can thrive. But I just encourage us to really know those pain points and really address those pain points. And so my testimony came from that as I became a keynote speaker in 2013. So why that was pivotal, because a friend of mine from college, and he said, I really ask that you inc include relationships. And I was like, why are you talking about relationships? These, college, these kids are going to college. They're going to UC Berkeley. And he said, Lena, he goes, you would know. He goes, remember what happened to you? And it felt like Ben had punched me in the heart. Mm. So, and I didn't even know what a keynote speaker was. I had to look it up and they were like, no, this is where people come see you speak. I'm like, why? And they're like, because you're speaking in front of a lot of people. And so I had to include that. And I always have honored Ben in that way to speak about having positive relationships and sharing that I was in a domestic violence relationship. And so other people have broken up when they heard me speak. They're like, oh girl, that was my final point. And they were like, they're texting and they told me or they cried and they're like, oh yeah, that was like the final draw of your speech. And so I was like, oh, because I always tell them, tell them about the upgrade. We don't go to the iPhone 4, we go to the iPhone 20. And so, you know, sometimes you believe we deserve that. And I'm like, you don't deserve that. It's time for an upgrade. And because it was that students were dropping out of college because of a relationship. Hmm. And so I would say, do they have a Lamborghini? And I go, why would you ask that? I said, well, how many of you have a Mercedes? And some people, you know, or have you seen one, right? And they go, oh, yeah, I would love a Mercedes. And how many of you have seen a Lamborghini? Oh, you like that. And so there's one or, you know, like, oh yeah, I go, it's kind of rare. I go, so you have to remember that the person that you're partnering with is like a Lamborghini. And so I, I came up with a hashtag at that time and it, you know, hashtag Lamborghini, uh, Lamb Lamborghini model. And so our Lambo model. And so, and really understanding that we are truly unique, that we truly have value and that you have to match yourself with a person of that value. Mm. Otherwise they pull you back. And so, so, you know, encouraging, you know, young peer, you know, or young students and then professionals about, you know, really upgrades the iPhone 20 and that you are worthy and a hashtag Lambo model really help people understand going, huh, like she's right. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm right. <laughs> so, yeah. But you got to see that first. And so, um, but just, you know, providing, so that was my pivotal moment, you know, and unfortunately with some trauma that I went through. So, so I've used that pain for my purpose for today. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that definitely Welcome. is you know, something that we don't, or people in general wouldn't want to go through. But I love how right. our adverse moments give us such resilience and we come back bigger and better. If like you said, we're willing to search ourselves, do the healing to make sure that we don't repeat those same mistakes or put ourselves in those same situations going forward. So that's awesome. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes, yes. So tell us about what you're currently doing to improve yourself personally and or professionally. So what I am doing now is learning more about leadership. And okay. so um, what I found, and so, you know, um, so we go, why you teach that? I said, well, because it, as you continue to climb through corporate ladder, as you become, you know, mom of different stages for your child, um, whatever capacity, you know, it's very important that you learn to have a different lens. So I always do this to show people like, 
because you are no good to us if you say, if you're doing the same thing as yesterday and if you're doing the same thing as last year. And so the end of last week, actually it was this week, sorry. So we were in a corporate, so Chandra Brooks, our, our mutual friend, invited us to, you know, um, saying anybody wanting to join this, you know, how to become a corporate board member. And this was for women. And so I was like, sure. I was like, I, you know, don't think I've ever thought about that, honestly. I didn't even know statistically we'd, we don't, there's hardly any women that there had, there was a law that was passed to like say that women, I was like, dang, we're going to get a law to like, have a seat at the table? Like, is, is that real? And so hearing these women articulate, you know, um, even saying things like, and I wrote it down. So it was a high level of communication for me, meaning I've never heard of that stuff. Okay. And so, so it's very important that we constantly learn. Um, also learning, there's another lady named Jen, the Rainmaker, about um, dream planting. So learning about a different way, um, a different kind of faith, I would say. Um, always growing my faith um, in Christianity as well, learning about scripture. Mm -hmm. And then, so I'm learning how to meditate and not fall asleep. <laughs> So, so, um, cause I'm just like, Oh, meditate. I'm like, okay, this is not what I think this is not part of the program. So learning that, you know, all that. So now that I know what peace and comfort is, I'm like, okay, I'm going to my peace and comfort zone. So I think it's very important. Okay. Thanks for that. Yes. I agree with all of those just staying on the cutting edge with whatever industry we're in, right. Making sure that we're doing something to sharpen the saw as they say. Okay, so tell us about your morning routine. My morning routine, get up, and the first thing I do is I either get, so I'm not consistent with it, either get a cup of coffee or fix the bed, but they say that you're more successful when you fix the bed, and so that I fix the bed, <laughs> so, and I think, you know, so then getting the cup of coffee, and so sometimes I try to make sure I drink water before the coffee because of the acid, get ready in the morning, I do check my emails, I try not to check them right away, because it's really about having that creative mindset. It can start blocking your, your creativity, hmm. you know, get ready in the morning, you know, shower, all that good stuff. And then looking at my calendar and see what's there and making sure I hit all those points. And, you know, then looking at emails and then, you know, communicate with everybody. I'm like, you know, hey, are we still on for a day? That kind of stuff. And seeing if anybody needs anything and scheduling them accordingly. So I do my best um, to try to stick to a schedule, but I think it's hard in the coronavirus because it seems like, Things are changing and evolving and responding accordingly. So now working from home is really a little bit different for me because I'm new to that and learning technology and so forth. So, so really sticking to a schedule has been hard and I couldn't figure out why because I'm like, I, why do I feel non-productive? And it's because I, I've had to really be stretched during this time. So from learning about Zoom and how it connects to Facebook, learning about marketing, learning about branding, I didn't know what a mood board was. I didn't know you had to have, I didn't even know like there were certain colors and how to put all that together. Hmm. You know, so, you know, really learning also how to ask for help and, you know, broker some of that workout. So yeah, so this, that's my morning routine and always checking on my kiddo back home in Fresno. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. All Absolutely. right. So tell us about the last book you either read or listened to. I definitely typically read the Bible. And so okay. I try to stay always fresh on the Bible. And then I know I'm reading, the, it's a John Maxwell's Daily Devotion. Okay. So John Maxwell's one of my favorite, you know, leadership. He's a guru, one of the gurus in leadership. Yeah. And I would say mostly I stick with John, with John Maxwell. It's not been recent, but I, if I can share what I would recommend is a book called, it's from Mark Batterston, The Circle Maker, and it's about your prayers. And so 
instead of necessarily always writing out your prayers, you can also just kind of like put, so you could put a circle, put in a cool walker and do kind of a mind map. So, um, you know, if you want to teach leadership development courses, just putting online platform, you know, impacting the globe, you know, being a generous donor to the community. So whatever that is, you know, for your son, just really whatever those prayers are. And then you kind of state your prayers over that, what your drawing is. And I, it was very helpful because it, it helped me condense some of the writing, but also it gave me kind of a visual of what my prayer was. And so I, I like him as the author as well. But I really feel like whatever books like speaks to you in that regard. So I typically read like leadership books and then faith books. I don't think I've read anything for a long time about like any, what is a nonfiction or a story. So I need to get back to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks for that. And you said it was called Circle What? The Circle Maker. The Circle, and the circle maker. maker. And they actually, he had, Mark Batterson just came up with one a few months ago for marriage, but he has one for children. Okay. And the scripture that he uses for the, his children, he says, the scripture you want to pray the most of your children is Luke 2.52. And so that is where the favor of God, where, where God or man steps in. Okay. And that's definitely something you always want to pray for because your kids will do stuff they're not supposed to do, right? And so, and then there's just the mercy and grace over them or what we call the holy hookup. And so it um, definitely is helpful. And then my favorite scripture is Luke 12, 48. So too much is given, much is required. So yeah. I definitely constantly study the leadership because it's really understanding things at a higher level. Like, the, you know, hearing these ladies in the corporate boardroom making decisions at a very high level that you know for 12 billion to 20 billion dollar corporation and so hearing them you can hear that it's, it's a different level it's a different mindset you know so that's why i really try to grow and stretch myself and you know even last week i did a tiktok video and they're like why i'm like well my son challenged me and then also because it was a different level of engagement so it's just something you got to try it so i, I encourage you <laughs> right thanks for that so mm-hmm. tell us about an aha moment that you had lately and how you've changed as a result? So for me as an aha moment is that I learned, so what I've learned to do or not do is I learn for myself when I say, what are you doing? Like if I say, what is Nicole doing? And then why is she doing that? And then I've almost blocked my own blessing because if I'm asking you why you're doing that, it's because I'm not doing that. It's really something I need to look inside and then really working through that. And so I don't know if people reflect or look introspectively, but I really encourage that as a leader. And so if you're questioning something, not asking a question, right? So you're questioning rather than, you know, for um, information, you know, and so you can block your blessing and then you're, you're losing the opportunity to, to grow from that. So sometimes when you think about it, you're blocking your blessing because you're like, why are you doing that? And it's like, are you doing that? So it's really learning how to reframe it for yourself because you need to do that. And so, or is it something you had on your radar, but you're not, that person's doing it. So to answer your question is really learning when I ask that kind of like in a, in a a questioning way, right? Like, why is Nicole doing that? I was like, "Ah!" I'm like, I need to do that. And so as a leader learning immediately, that is your action that is required. And so I think that requires a lot of discipline in that way because you have to control your mind until your mind isn't, you know, because we automatically judge like, why is she wearing pink? Like, what is, oh, oh is, is that the color? Okay, let me wear pink. And so, and not jumping to the judgment and jumping to conclusions. And you got to catch your, your mind from doing that. And then it's also a gentle reminder for you, for an action item for you. And so that's why your mind does it, but your reaction is different. So learning how to retrain that. So that's my aha moment. So 
I tell people I'm, I'm in the get it together club, so I'm trying to get it together. <laughs> and so and that's just learning how to be honest with myself. And so, so it's just, it's learning that as a, as a, you know, as a woman and as a leader to be, be honest with myself and be like, get it together, girl. So I do that. Okay. Thanks for that. So just making sure that I understand. So it's like when you see something, instead of judging the person or looking down on it, explore whether or not this is something that you actually admire. So making sure you don't confuse those two viewpoints. Is that right? Right. That, you know, so confusing the viewpoints and then are you, are you catching yourself from that judgment? Right. And then really what is that judgment from? So for me, the aha moment is learning how to trick what those triggers are and then going, Hmm, like why, you know, why am I asking that question or why am I judging in that way? So that is an action item for me. So because it's easy for us to do that. I know you've seen somebody yeah. like, why should you wear an outfit? And then you're like, you know what? I can wear the outfit at my workout, you know? So just really re- reframing that in your mind and just catching yourself if you can. So okay. thanks for that. Yeah, I like that. All right. So tell us about, I don't know, this should be a shoo-in for you, right? What, <laughs> what leadership principle governs your life and why? See, I use leadership as a servant leader through humbleness and humility. And so you can't lead if you don't know how to be a team member first. And so the other part of that is humbleness is in character. It's not in the boardroom. So oftentimes we're like, we're, we don't want to share what we've done in the, in the corporate sector, right? Oh, this is what I did. Or I'm a project manager. Or I did 20 sales because you're like, well, I, I, don't, I don't want to brag, but humbleness is in character. It's not in the office and then learning to be a servant leader. So how I, when I work with teams, I'll, they go, you're a great boss. And I say, I work for you and with you. Tell me what you need. And so I reframe, I keep reframing that for them. So they don't look at me as above, that they, they look at me as next to. Because I look, look at them as my peers. And, you know, some people who have the old school mentality, they say, well, they're, they're going to run all over you. I'm like, I've never had that happen. I've always had work with team members who are extremely competent, who rise to the occasion and they're just not empowered to do so, yeah. you know, and they go, what if, what if they messed around? I'm like, maybe they need a break, I don't know. <laughs> but I've never had that happen. So, yeah. you know, cause you know, we go college students are like, what if I'm messing around? I'm like, maybe you need to check out for five minutes. You'll be okay. I'm sure you'll come back. And they're like, and they're fine. You know, and they're, you know, they're like, you're not afraid of that. I'm like, no, I go, I just need to know when you leave the room. So I know my head count in case of an emergency and they're like, Oh, I'm like, you're fine. And so, I don't, you know, put that control on people. I don't do that. And I state that definition a lot. You know, it's really leading with humbleness and humility because you've been there, you've experienced things. So you've learned through humility some really tough times and that really makes you a stronger leader. And so I teach the three-prong approach. So you say the principle, which is connect and it's character and communicate. So first leading with who you are and then connecting with your peers in 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 a collaboration and then communicating. And so those are also the three reasons why you get hired. And those are the three reasons why you get fired. Those mm. are the three reasons why they marry you. <laughs> those are the three reasons why I say divorce you. Wow. So I actually researched that and they're like, you look it up. I said, oh yeah, because my people, we're going to be hired and we're going to stay married. <laughs> so <laughs> I really wanted to make sure we delivered that because they were like, why do you teach that? And so all my students would teach that. Or if anybody's coming to a workshop, they're like, I said that in an interview, I got the job. I said, yep. Because who you are gets you hired, what you do gets you fired. So make sure you're on point. So they remember and they just say it. I go, say it at the club, say it at the bar when you meet somebody. 
and just say, I'm, I, I'm great. I'm a good person. I'm a good character. I connect and I know how to communicate. And they'll, they'll be like, what's the second date? And they're like, that works. I'm like, it does work. <laughs> so in either, in either um, circle, it, it'll work. So definitely. So my definition and my strong principles always leading servant leadership through humbleness and humility. That's right, because it's really about learning who you are and, and who you are as in character, because integrity you can't buy. Yeah. Um, so really, people are drawn to you, right? So Chandra always speaks very highly of you. And she's like, Nicole is on fire. She don't mess around. So because of that, right? She didn't say that you may, you know, you're, you know, she doesn't say like you're a great project manager, you're great in sales, organizational management. Just your character is what gets you, right? She's okay. the bomb, girl. And I'm like, okay. And so that's it, right? <laughs> so that's why people get hired. And people are like, they go, oh, you know, I'm great at organizational management. I'm like, that's not why we hire you. We hire you because you're cool. And yeah. then when you steal some money, then we let you go. <laughs> so, right? <laughs> you, can't, you can't put your hand in the pot and not get caught. So, so I have seen things like that as well. And so, so I remind them, like, it's who you are because they go, you know, right? And then it, and it's, and they get you hired and what you do, they get you fired. Okay. So, yeah. And I like your point as far as just treating people like adults, right? Because people are autonomous. No one wants to have this like person over them. And when you give them that leeway, they actually respect you more and want to perform as opposed to you feeling like you have to hover to get something done. So I'm glad you brought that up. Here's, here's, here's something I want to share with you. that it's very, So I learned this from a Steve Harvey conference and one of his facilitators, her name is Doreen Rainey. And she goes, I'm not an ass business. I'm in the tell business. And so my team member would say, can I have this? And I said, you could have whatever you want. And so they go, are you sure? I said, oh yeah, because I will make sure you get whatever you need to be successful. And um, they said, can I do this? And I said, you could do whatever you want. And so I say it because you don't ask me. I go, I'm, and I tell them, I go, I'm not an ass business. I'm in the tell business. So mm-hmm. you're not going to ask me what to do. And they're like, but you're our boss. And you know, we need permission. I was like, you don't need permission from anybody. Remember that. And they said, well, you're different. And I said, and the, sooner, the faster you learn that, the sooner you will let go of these controls. And I said, because, they, because you are very good at what you do and you're expert. We cannot do what you, what you do. So remember, you're just, you know, we value you for that. And they're like, oh, and they're very amazing people. And so I don't, you know, I don't take it away from them. I'm like, do you? And so they're like, okay, <laughs> they're, they're good to go. And so when you empower people to do you, they do that. And, you know, they know their gifts. Don't take that away from them and, you know, monitor them or put your thumb on them because their creativity doesn't, you know, doesn't, you know, doesn't come to the surface. So it's very important that people do that. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I love that. Mm-hmm. All right. So do you have a favorite quote that you want to share with us? Um, yeah, so a, a quote that I, I, I made as a kid, which I don't know why I thought my dad did it. And I asked him, because I don't know what you're talking about. I never did that. So I learned, so I learned sacrifice plus patience equals success. And so I don't believe in shortcuts. Um, I believe in holy hookups <laughs> I don't believe in shortcuts. and holy hookups too, because I know God comes through all the time. Um, but yeah, so sacrifice. So sometimes it's your money. It's your time. It's, you know, your talent. One of those that might, where you're sacrificing that patience, right? Because we're not always like, you know, our habits or our humanistic side is not always patient. You know, time is, you know, it takes over, you know, a period of time for us to achieve something or get something. And so, and then that is what really will, you know, be able to you know, get you to a level of success. And so it's really that journey, but I always say it's patience and sacrifice equals success. And so 
that is very, very important that we learn that. And so a lot of times I think in this microwave industry, kind of, you know, instant gratification, right? We believe that you can have it right away and you can be on Instagram, make a million dollars. And I'm like, there's probably a few people that happen too. I said, but for the most part, we're going to have to be on the grind and, you know, we're going to have to leverage what we know, who we know. So, yeah. So patience and sacrifice equals success. And if you remember that, it might give you, you know, it's a gentle reminder that, you know, go easy on yourself and that this is a process. So. Okay. I love that. I love that. And I like to say, trust the process as well. Right. Trust the process, enjoy the journey, right? Because we all kind of want to get to this outcome and then you don't enjoy the journey along the way because you're so busy looking at the outcome as opposed to enjoying while you're getting there. So that's right. Well, absolutely. And I, and I share, I, I would encourage people to make their own motto and, because what I found when I work with college students between like 18 and 25, they really came in not with their own thoughts. And so they would say, my mom said, and I was like, is your mom here? <laughs> so, um, my dad said, I'm going to be a cop. And I'm like, did you get in trouble? And I'm like, how'd you know? I'm like, because mm, most of my officers will have gotten in trouble or pro- probation officers. They kind of had something that happened to them. And so they come in with, with whatever mindset their parents have put on them or grandparents. You know, so learning how to think for yourself. And when people are on a wage, um, the best way you can do, so that's the easiest way I can explain it. So if you want to empower people to lead and they make a wage, start getting them to think for themselves. Mm-hmm. Because the higher you go in leadership, it's about your decision-making skills and your critical thinking skills and your creativity. And mm-hmm. so, and being able to, right, do that. And so, because they're, they're really taught to do something, do what I tell you. And they are more than that. So I encourage that because we have our own life processes and our own life experiences where we can create our own quotes. And so I encourage that because I just know as I see people go, well, when I read in this book and I'm like, right, but what about your book of life? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, you do know you're very smart. And they only are following that protocol from the book. And I'm like, I've seen adults do it. Well, when I read in Stephen Covey's book and I'm like, well, you don't know Stephen personally, right? <laughs> Why don't you write your own book? So really being the author for yourself and making your own quotes. So, cause I see that as adults, like we are the bomb and like we have gone through stuff and we have some high, high level intelligence. It's not title. It's your life that has given you that. And so mm. uh, only that and coming yeah. up with your own motto. Okay. I so, love yeah. that. That's great encouragement. Yeah, and I agree that people do need to embrace that and be more confident in it, right? A lot of times as kids, we didn't have a voice, a lot of people. So then you don't even know what you like or have your own thing, but you have to develop (laughs) that, right? And learn what that is and create it, you know? So, so thanks. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. Awesome. All right. So this is what I consider my fun questions. Where was your last vacation? What's your favorite vacation spot and where your next vacation will be? And the last question is kind of like, and eh, because if it's not, you know, already planned, who knows what's going on? But I love travel and I encourage people to travel because I feel like you learn so much about yourself and about other areas. It's so enriching. So that's why I added these. Awesome. So the last place we traveled was to Cabo and I had never been to uh, Mexico for a vacation spot and it was lit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it was like, I was like, oh my gosh, this should be an every year thing. It was awesome. It was, you know, you can relax me in the pool and nobody got out of the pool, which I'm not really sure what they were because, you know, you have to go to the bathroom at some point, but it was just <laughs> fun. 
I was like, it was fun. And we went with my cousin's friends and, you know, so it was like, a, I think a group of 10. So we call it our couple family and we had a blast. We, you know, gelled really well. We liked to spend time with each other. We were cool with it. I mean, we were just like, it was easy going. And so I think it can be harder when you have that kind of travel bug and people are not on the same level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, they like want to read a book by the pool and it's like, that's cool. But learning how to respect each other's space and so forth. So it was awesome. I love Cabo. I do want to make that like either every year or every other year because it was that great of an experience. You said what would be my next destination. So it'd be two if I can say that. So when I do something nice for myself, I wear a crown and really I do. And so I'm going to go to the hair shop and nail shop with a crown in my hand and be like, I need you to book me up. And so, because I can't go to anywhere without at least like looking a little bit polished. And so I'm having to do the DIY to, you know, with the acrylic taken out. So, and then I know we've talked about going to Scottsdale and that I would, I don't, I've never been there in Arizona and another destination would be Georgia. So it'd be one of those two locations. Okay. Thanks. Well, how about you? If I can ask, where are you heading to? Oh my goodness. Good question. I actually had to just cancel a trip to Bermuda. My friend was doing her vows, which unfortunately had to be canceled. Um, But next year I would be turning 40 and um, I want to do Africa and I'm deciding where in Africa for my 40th birthday. So those are some of my up and comings, but thanks for asking. That's (laughs) awesome. Wow. That's awesome. All right. Well, before we let you go, do you want to tell us about any offers you have going on, your contact information, website, so that the listeners can get to know you better in reference to your business? Absolutely. So I'm Lena Mendoza. I'm founder of Intentional Leadership. And so I do three, I do three service lines. So one is executive coaching. So I help with resumes or LinkedIn and really helping them brand themselves through the process um, as they acclimate or they position themselves for a new level of leadership. I also provide a, a seven-week series on leadership development, and so it really provides a more extensive uh, program on how they leverage their leadership and how they're positioning themselves, including um, what they're doing in the community. So are they leveraging their you know, board membership or nonprofit board membership? And so, and then the entrepreneurial leadership is really someone who is already you know, starting a business or wanting to start a business and really needs that business format. So all the way through um, getting established through um, what is your strategy. So we go through a SWOT analysis in the very end. Um, so there's the three-prong approach in that way. Um, I can be found at linamendoza.com on the website, LinkedIn. Um, so all my LinkedIn, all my social media handles is my first and last name. So it's LinkedIn, Lena Mendoza, Instagram, uh, Pinterest, and then as well as Facebook. Okay, thank you, Lena. We appreciate your insight today. today. I appreciate you being transparent and just sharing all of your expertise with us. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. Until next time, be empowered and empower on.